Okay, let's get into it. Yeah, you guys, I have two sons. You probably heard me talk about them before. They really hate that I talk about them uh, on the stage, but it happens, and uh, they just got to suck it up. Justice is 13. He's six foot three, which means he's almost a foot taller than me, it feels like, which is really annoying. And Camille is 10. Now, the world I grew up in is very different than the world my boys are growing up in. They will never understand a world without Wi-Fi, right? They'll never be able to understand a world without Wi-Fi. I told them once that Netflix used to mail you movies to your house, and they thought I was lying. They thought I was telling a joke. They, they will never know the joy of Friday night piling into your Toyota Corolla, driving to the Blockbuster, and looking for a new, wandering around for an hour, looking for a new release movie, VHS or DVD to take home. They will never understand what it means to be kind, rewind, right? <laughs> it's just a, it's a phrase they'll never get to know what, me, what it means. The times are changing. I was born in 1987, which means I grew up in the 90s. And I don't know about you, but the 90s feel like a long time ago. Um, but they're not that long ago, but they feel like a long time ago. And even though the 90s were so long ago for me, I find it really interesting how just a small little bit of stimuli, like a little bit of a memory or a sound or a picture or a video can bring back memories from the 90s just flooding back, right? How easily we can trigger memories from our, our past. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to play a game. It's not a spiritual game. It really has nothing to do with Jesus. We're going to play it anyways just to, to drive this point home. I'm going to play an iconic sound from the 90s, and you're going to yell, if you know that what it is, you're going to yell it out, right? There's no, no prize, Dulcie. Uh, for you this morning. Just my uh, admiration, and you're right there, admiration and respect. No prize. And maybe, a, I don't know if you get it right, an extra jewel in your crown in heaven or something like that. I don't know if I'm allowed to promise that. You're right. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to play a sound, and if you know what it is, you can just yell out the answer. So what is, let's hear that first sound. Dial-up. Did you say dial-up? Right in the front row. It's dial-up internet. Dial-up internet. My kids just don't even know how good they got it. Okay, we got the second sound. Let's play, let's play the second sound. Nokia? The, the most indestructible phone in the world, right? That's good. Nokia. T-Rex ate a Nokia phone at one point. I don't know if you guys remember that. Okay, this third one is, is really fast. This is a short sound, uh, but let's play, let's play the sound. ICQ, who said ICQ? Right there, Steve, ICQ. I remember leaving school, racing home as fast as I could, loading up ICQ just to chat with the people I was at school with all day. I-C-Q. It's crazy how these sounds, these little short little sounds, can you know, bring back memories flooding all the way from so long ago. 
For me, this church, Fort City Church, uh, is full of nostalgic memories like that. My family started going to this church in 1991. I was four years old, which means I've been around a while, and for me, there are a lot of memory triggers in this place. I can't hardly walk through the halls of Kid City without remembering and, and thinking back to that day as a six or seven year old child that I decided I wanted to follow Jesus and a Kid City team member helped me to pray that prayer for the very first time. It was after a McGee and Me movie, which is also a 90s throwback. I don't know if anybody even remembers that. Don't search that. They were terrible. They did not survive the test of time, but it helped me to become a Christian, so I guess it was a good thing. Uh, or you, uh, you, I remember as I walked through here as an 11-year-old, uh, out front there's four wooden or a few wooden pillars that hold up the awning to the front of the building. And I remember as an 11-year-old taking my pocket knife and carving my initials and the initials of the girl I had a crush on into the wood out there. It's still out there surrounded by a heart, and they are not the initials of my wife. <laughs> which makes that an unfortunate thing to be etched into this building permanently. But I'll tell you, one of my strongest memories did, of this place did happen in this room right here. It was during a weekend conference that we were hosting here at the church when I was just a teenager. And it was a conference a lot like the Holy Spirit conference that we're hosting here in October. Uh, it was very similar in nature uh, to that. And uh, I was a teenager and I was standing right kind of where Carol or Karen is, right in the front. That's where I used to sit when I was a kid, uh, a teenager here at the church. And, and the band was kind of still playing, but the preacher was done, right? It was kind of that post-preach band playing. There was people worshiping still and there were people praying at various places around the room. And as I looked around the room that night... Uh, I felt God speak loudly and directly and clearly to my heart. It was clear as can be. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was unmistakable to me. I looked around the room, and I saw the people praying and worshiping, and I heard clear, clearly God say to my heart, Lucas, I want you to take care of these people. And it was that day as a teenager that I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. Now, I didn't tell anybody that night that that's what I heard. And uh, a few months later, uh, I started dating Adrian in high school. And uh, Adrian told me that she had decided she would never marry a pastor. And so I decided I'd become a firefighter instead. <laughs> you know, priorities, right? <laughs> and I did that for a long time. But that night... The Holy Spirit planted a seed in my heart, a seed of truth, a seed of purpose, and it sat just under the surface of the soil for 25 years, until five years ago, Doug invited me into his office, and he said, Lucas, what would you think about maybe quitting your job at Suncor and working here full-time as a pastor? And by that time, my heart was ready to say yes. And me and Adrian were married, so it was too late for her <laughs> to back out now. 25 years ago, God planted a seed in my heart that's still growing to this day. But this is how God does, though. It's how he does. He plants the seed. He waters it with his love and kindness. He encourages it. He shines his light on it, and he waits 
He is patient with us. Peter described it this way. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient with us. Hallelujah. And he is not in the business of forcing anybody to do anything. God does not force us to love him because then it wouldn't be love, would it? God does not force us to follow him because then we wouldn't really be true followers. We would be slaves. God invites us. Jesus was teaching, teaching a crowd one day, and, and Jesus liked to use things called parables. They're basically kind of cryptic stories with hidden meanings behind the story. And sometimes they were a little easy to figure out, but sometimes they were really difficult for people to understand. Jesus liked to, to mix things up in that way. I'm going to read this parable to you. It's a little bit of a long chunk of scripture, but I'm going to read it out to you in its entirety. So let's do that. Mark 4, 3 to 9. Listen. This is Jesus. And when Jesus says, listen... You better pay attention. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In this story, we, let's try to find ourselves. In this story, we're the soil, right? And the seed is God's invitation to us. The seed is God's love, God's word on our hearts. The seed is an invitation for us to choose to follow Jesus, for us to discover that he has made us on purpose, for a purpose, for us to live out the way of Jesus. The seed is God's word, and we are the soil. Now, eventually the crowd dispersed, and Jesus was left alone with his disciples, and I got to give them credit, their bravery and courage in this moment, because they did not understand this parable. It went right over their heads. And they got the courage enough to go to Jesus and be like, listen, Jesus, we, we, we're fishermen, not farmers. <laughs> they didn't say that. I made that part up. That's a little heretical to make. Okay. They, Jesus, we don't understand. Can you explain this parable to us? I'm going to read Jesus' answer to them for you. Jesus said the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. That seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
And here's a question for you to consider, maybe a question for you to ask prayerfully before God this week. What kind of soil are you? Are you like the hard and weathered path where God's truth can't seem to take root? Are you like the rocky places where you believe in your head, but you can't seem to get what you believe in your head to matter in your heart? Or are you like the thorn-infested soil where your, your faith is, is crushed out by anxiety and fear and lust, and they prevent you from God's truth flourishing in your life? And, and the good news is, that was a little depressing, but the good news is, if you feel like you are any of those things, it's okay. God has options for you. There are ways to till the ground. There are ways to enrich the soil. There are ways to make yourself more receptive to the leading and the working and the guiding of Jesus. You've heard us say them before. They're very simple, but I'm going to repeat them again. The truth is, if you're serious about your faith, if you're serious about wanting to follow Jesus and grow in faith and grow uh, in your relationship with Jesus, then these are things that you shouldn't just consider doing. These are things that will help. It is a guarantee they will help you with your faith. You can pray. You can pray to God. You can ask Him for things. You can talk to him and God when we pray God doesn't just change our circumstances right sometimes that's that is a way he works when we pray sometimes we pray and ask him for things and he changes our circumstances but when we pray he almost always is willing to change us not just our circumstances when we pray God is willing to change us to give us wisdom to give us courage to help us with strength to persevere God is willing always willing to change us when we pray. When we pray, he is close, he is personal, and he hears us. So you can pray, or you can read the word, you can read the Bible. And the Bible is one of the primary ways that God has decided to reveal himself to this world. It's not just a historical document, though it is. It is not just a religious text, though it is. It is the way that Jesus has decided to reveal himself to us, And so by reading the word of God, we discover Jesus himself. These are ways that you can till the soil of your heart to make yourself more receptive to the moving and the working and the speaking of Jesus in your life. When we are reading this parable, if you are all concerned that you fall into those three categories, making prayer and reading the word of God, a daily discipline will go a long way to tilling the soil of your heart and making you receptive to the voice of God in your life. This is also something we say about the Soul Care Conference. I'm going to plug that real quick. Uh, a Soul Care class, uh, which starts Wednesday, September 21st. It's a seven-week class. And we literally describe this in private as ways to till the soil of your heart. It is a place where you can work through things that prevent you from hearing God, things that prevent you from following him the way you want to. With seven, the seven topics that we cover over the seven weeks are understanding your identity, repentance, family sin patterns, forgiveness, healing inner wounds, overcoming fear, and experiencing freedom. I guarantee at least one of those things is something that you need in your life. 
These are powerful ways to till the soil of your heart. Adrian and I will be leading that class. And if you'd like, you can join us. We'd love to have you. You can sign up at fortcity.info. We would love to see you there. In this parable, we've decided very obviously that we are the soil, right? We know it. It's clear. It's our job to make sure that our hearts are open and ready to receive what God has for us. But there is another way that you and I are clearly in this parable. Remember, Jesus said this, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. You and I, we are also the farmer. We are the people Jesus has entrusted his world-changing, life-altering story to. We are the ones he has chosen to spread his truth and his love and his mercy to the whole world. And the truth is we cannot, must not, just be receivers of the word of God. But we must also be conveyors of God's word. The Christian life isn't just about us growing our own faith. It's about us creating opportunity for others to grow their faith too. At Fort City, we do believe this strongly. And we believe that we are in this city right now, at this time, in this place, on purpose for a purpose. To be the light in the dark, to be a port in a storm, to be the refuge for the lost and the hurting and the broken, to help people discover that Jesus loves them and has made a way for them to know him, that he has made a way for them to be free from the powers of darkness and experience his life and his light and what it is to know God. This is why the church exists. We worship God, and we tell people about him. We're to steal a phrase my friends at YWAM use, to know God and to make him known. This is why we do what we do. This is why we host a weekly chosen watch party that starts next Friday night at 7 p.m. Chosen is this TV series about Jesus. It's incredibly entertaining and very powerful. And because Melody is so persistent, we're having a chosen watch party start next Friday night. You guys need to be there. It's going to be great. There's going to be popcorn. That's why we're doing it. Because we believe Jesus is important. We want to talk about him. We want to learn about him. As a place you can invite your friends to. But this is also why we have a prayer team. We have a prayer team that meets every Monday night and they pray for you and they pray for me and they pray for our church and they pray for our city. They are constantly holding us up in prayer. This is why we have a production team, these geeks at the back of the room who run the computers and make everything happen in here. They live stream our services so that if you find yourself in a hospital bed one Sunday, desperate and alone, you can still worship with your church family online. It's because of these people doing those things that that can happen. It's why we have a kids program upstairs where we have volunteers teach kids who Jesus is, what it means to pray him, not just what it means to know about Jesus, but what it means to know Jesus personally. It's why Marcella in her video can say so confidently the most important command Jesus gave us was to love one another. This is what happens in Kids City. 
We do what we do because we believe that we aren't just the recipients of God's love, but we are the conveyors of God's love. And the truth is, when you serve, I mean, when you serve, when you do the things God asks you to do, when you serve in a local church like Fort City, you may never know the effect that you have on the people that you are serving. Sometimes you get to see it, like when baptisms happen. It's like, oh yeah, it works. But often, you serve, and you will never know just how important it was for the person you serve. It's a story we hear about Kid City all the time, that a person, an adult, will have a crisis of faith, and they'll look back in their memories and be reminded of a time in Kid City where one of the leaders got down on their knees and prayed with them, and that, that memory will give them courage and strength. Or maybe you're on the connection team and, and you shake somebody's hand and you may never know that the night before they were awake all night the previous night struggling with thoughts of suicide. And it took all of the courage they had just to get out of their beds and come to church. And when they saw your face and your smile and you helped them find a seat and you made this place a safe place for them to be to experience the love and the hope and the light of Christ. You might never know that story. And you might work on the production team flipping lyrics for us while we're all singing. And you might never know that that morning that you're doing that, somebody opens their mouth for the very first time and praises Jesus for the very first time. The words that you are displaying on the screen. You may never know the effect or the benefit or the outcome of your serving. But you do it anyways. Because the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is an indigenous tribe in uh, northern states and, and southern Canada called the Haudenosaunee tribe. I said that a hundred times yesterday to make sure I would get it right this morning, the Haudenosaunee. Their English name that you might more readily recognize is the Iroquois people. And they are credited with a principle that is incredibly powerful. It is called the seven-generation principle. And it's simple, and basically what it means is that any action, they say any action you take, anything that you do, any decision that you make, you should make in light of how it will affect seven generations from you. They're looking hundreds of years into the future and asking, what does my action today mean for my, or for my kin seven generations from now? Not, how does this benefit me? Or how does this benefit my family or my kids? How does this benefit seven generations from now? It's a powerful way of thinking. It's a question, it's a thinking that's behind the lyrics, uh, John Mark McMillan's song, uh, The Rocks, the Roads, and the Weeds. He says this, so shall I plant sequoias and revel in the soil of a crop I know I'll never live to reap. The question is, will we invest in others? Will we sow in others a crop we may never see to reap? Let me tell you a really quick story as I slow things down here. Many of you know uh, that my 10-year-old son, Camille, is adopted. He is, uh, I can't say he's my favorite son, because I have two sons, but he's way better than your kids. 
I mean, your kids are probably great. I'm not, you know, they're probably great, but they don't hold a candle to me. He is the best. And uh, we waited quite a few years for Kami to come home. It was a long, drawn-out process. He was uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo in Kinshasa. And uh, every few weeks and every few months throughout while the waiting period, while we were waiting for him to come home, uh, they would send us pictures of him. And he'd just be smiling every time. Well, not every time. Sometimes he was crying and whining. And we like those ones too. Um, but he, uh, we would get these pictures. And ever, almost, most of the pictures were pictures of him in a church in Kinshasa, in DRC. And it warmed our hearts to know that foster mom was taking care of Camille in that way and, and taking him to church and to a place of faith. And on the day that Adrian called me uh, to tell me that Camille was finally coming home, we waited a very long time. It was a very difficult period of time in our lives. I was at uh, a new pastor's retreat in Sylvan Lake with 30 pastors I didn't know, had never met before. Uh, it was very, uh, I'm not very good at meeting new people, and so it was very uncomfortable for me. And Adrian called me and told me this good news in the middle of all these uh, people. And I didn't have anybody to share it with. My heart was overflowing with joy. And I didn't have anybody to share it with. And then that night, uh, we were, during dinner, I ended up sitting next to a guy who would introduce himself as Ron Brown. Ron is in, in his late 60s. Uh, he's a white guy with, you know, white hair and a gray beard. And, uh, and you know, just, uh, just your typical white guy, right? And uh, he, I sat with Ron, and we started talking. And I was like, Ron, listen, I got really good news today. And I just, I have to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. I was like, Ron, I just found out today that my son, Camille, is coming home to be with our family from DRC, Kinshasa. And then his smile just, Ron's got this big smile on his face. He's like, that is so special, Lucas. I was born and grew up in Kinshasa, DRC. And he had spent his life as a missionary in DRC. And his parents had spent their lives as missionaries in Kinshasa. And he went on to teach me that our church family, the Alliance is the, the family that we're part of, hundreds of churches across Canada and, and thousands across the world. The Alliance, the very first place our denomination sent missionaries to in the late 20th century was Kinshasa, DRC. And those pictures of Kami in a church built by the hands of people hundreds of years ago who never lived to reap what they sowed. But my family was blessed by them. God, I hate crying in front of you guys. What? A <laughs> hundred years later, their service blessed my family. We do what we do because we believe we aren't just the recipients of the love of God. We are the distributors of the love of God. It's why we do things like a car show, to bless our neighborhood and to bless the families that call Fort McMurray home. It's why we have a Christmas lights bus tour to give families something to do in December when their kids are out of school. It's why we have a chosen 
watch party. It's why we make all these investments, these, these, these ministries, these things that we do. It's why YWAM serves lunch on Tuesdays and Thursdays to youth. It's why we have a youth program. We do what we do because we don't just receive the love of God. We convey it. And it's why we have these services on Sunday where we worship together, where we read the word of God together, where we share in sacraments like baptism and communion together. It's places where people can till the soil of their hearts and discover that Jesus has so much more for them than they ever realized. And none of this happens without you. Without you deciding to be a part of it. Deciding to make it all happen. Deciding to help us plant sequoias and revel in the soil of a crop you'll never see or live to reap. Deciding to help us plant a crop and hoping and praying that a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much than you planted. We need you. We need you as partners in the gospel. We need you to make it all happen. We can find a place for you to serve God through Fort City Church. You have to ask yourself the question, are you in? Do you want to help? Do you want to be part of it? Do you want to serve this city and help us advance the kingdom of God? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you this morning for each person here and each person who's joining us online. I thank you that you have made us all different, that you have given each one of us different skills and gifts, that you, we have all experienced different things in our lives that has given us different insight, and that we all come to this place and we worship the same God together. I thank you for each family represented in this room and each life uh, represented in this room. And Jesus, I pray that even now as we are praying, that you would be stoking the desire in our hearts to serve you in a deeper way. That you would be stoking the desire in our hearts to get connected in a local church, serving our community, planting, taking the word of God out into the world. That Jesus, that we would find our place in the kingdom of heaven right now, right here. And that because of what we do, many, many would come to know you as their friend and savior. Pray this in the holiest of names. In the name of Jesus, amen.